Hey guys, Ian here with another episode of Unleashed and Unhinged, the podcast where we talk about all things dog. Dog training, dog behaviour, dog health, literally anything you can think about when it comes to dogs, we'll talk about on here. We hope you enjoy the episode. Today, what we're going to be talking about is, this is actually going to be the first part of a three-part little series, because we have been doing this, working with dogs and dog behavior and trying to help people with their dogs for a long, 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 long time. And fundamentally, there is, well, there are three things that we see people do time and time and time and time again um, that are set that they set themselves up to failure right from the get-go and they make their life so much harder by doing any of these three things and if you have the trifecta then you're going to hit a world of pain but the first thing that we're going to be talking about um, is and it's probably really really boring for dog trainers to hear this but we hear it so often in the uh, general public still the narrative of prescribing to the old dominance theory um the th- the fact is right we can't move past the fact that so many people not as many as there used to be but so many people are still in the belief that dominance their dog trying to be dominant or being too submissive or one end of the spectrum of that is the reason for the unwanted behaviors that their dogs are displaying and that just is not true and before i pissed you off too much with saying that i'm gonna take a minute today to just explain why the reality is that the dominance theory the idea that dogs are pack animals, they live in the in a pack system where there's an alpha and everybody else is trying to either be the alpha or um, and the most dominant one. That study, the study that brought around that belief was done in 1940s and 1970s. That's a long, long time ago now. And... It has been completely debunked, disproven, to the point where even the guy that did the study uh, is on YouTube, David Meg, apologising for ever creating it, for ever suggesting it in the first place. Um, But the word dominance has been absolutely bastardised by people over the years. Misunderstood, misinterpreted, misused, and that is what's causing so much confusion and so much trouble. Okay, we cannot move past the fact that dominance exists, all right? Dominance exists, it is something that is natural, um, but it's probably not, uh, it's not being used in the right context when it comes to our dogs. So let me give you an example. Let's just take a situation where somebody is, two people are talking, and if one person 
is talking while the other one is quiet, then by definition, they are dominant in that situation. They are the dominant one. But then, if the situation changes and the other person starts talking, and that per- the person that was initially talking shuts up, then that person that has newly started talking is now the dominant one in that conversation. It is a state. It is not uh, a personality trait. It is something... <sighs> To be dominant, it is to control resources and to be control in control of others. When it comes to our dogs, they will have times where they are dominating the ball and dominating the food. And you will see dogs dominate situations. But what they're not trying to do is dominate others. Okay, so let's take, for example... Um, a dog that resource guards food. Now, traditionally, that might have been explained as a dominant dog because he won't let the other dogs have the food. But it's much more complex than that. I mean, yes, if you look at it, the dog is dominating the food and he is using aggression potentially, you know, for the sake of this conversation, let's say he is using aggression to maintain the food. Um, but... His intention wasn't to be dominant. His intention was to maintain the food. It's not about how he can influence others. It's about how he can influence his own emotions. So his behavior is not driven by trying to be dominant. His behavior is driven by, in that moment, the, his fundamental needs. He felt the need to retain food and he had resorted to a behavior style that he thought was going to be most successful. Now, if he'd run away with that food and still maintain the food, if he'd have been avoiding conflict by running away and maintaining the food, then by definition, he was still dominating the food. Because it's <laughs> this is where it can get really, really misunderstood, right? That dog wasn't trying to be dominant, and dominance didn't cause the aggression hunger did or fear of losing the food did or not having the social flexibility to be able to share food with whoever he was guarding it from may have needing may have caused it needing distance from him and the others like there's so many functional reasons why the dog did the behavior and dominance is a construct constructs can't cause behavior Dogs, fundamentally as well, and this is very important to know, like going back to how they form social structures, right? So, so dogs aren't living in linear hierarchies. There's no alpha. There's no pack leader. By definition, a pack is a group of dogs that hunt, live, and kill together. So wolves are pack animals. But even... I'm not going to go into that. But dogs are not pack animals, their ancestors were, but they are not. And they are up to 30,000 years removed from wolves. So they are behaviorally, physically, and socially different to wolves. So yes, it's important to respect where they came from, but it's also important to respect how they've evolved. So they're not pack animals, and nor are they trying to climb the ladder of power. Even wolves, they live in family groups where the male and female 
form a, like us, like the relationship where they guide others around, like their families, you know, their, their direct relatives and sometimes indirect but close relatives. And what they're not doing is, you know, we don't see male wolves, healthy male wolves, challenging their fathers to become the dominant one in that pack. They go away and they form their own pack group, which is naturally formed by a family group. And in our household, we don't have too dissimilar situation, apart from we didn't breed the dogs in our house. We brought the dogs into our home. And by, ver- by the very definition of dominance, we are the dominant ones, right? So we control the resources. We control where they eat, where they go, when they eat, when they, who they see, when they get a leash on, when they don't, when they get to go off lead. We control 99.9% of their outcomes, whether we like to admit that or not. And so by definition, we're already the dominant one. But our dogs aren't trying to achieve that status from us. Now, if we control in too much of a domineering way, if we restrict them to the point where their fundamental enrichment needs are not being met, whatever they might be, whether that's eating, socially, feeling safe, health, exercise, nutrition, whatever those enrichment needs might be, the dog will start communicating that. And they will do whatever behaviours they can to try to get those enrichment needs met. In doing so, they are not challenging you as leader, but they are inevitably going to have to communicate what their needs are. So it's not a personal attack where they're trying to suddenly dominate you. Their behaviour is nothing more than them communicating what their enrichment needs are. Now, we might have a clash in needs sometimes my dog if we bring a dog for example into our lives that we maybe didn't understand what their physical enrichment needs were maybe they really need to have things in their mouth and they start chewing up our skirting board and that isn't them trying that's not a power play by them that's them communicating hey, fundamentally, I I need something in my mouth. Say a Labrador Retriever, that for hundreds of years, generations of breeding, we have bred it to be inherently rewarding for them to put things in their mouth, and then all of a sudden that's deprived, they're going to find a way to do that. This isn't a challenge on us, and it's not them trying to be dominant or anything of of the sort. But that theory, the dominance theory, has set so many people up to fail because what it's done is mislabeled why the behavior is happening in the first place. And it's forced people into this narrative of, well, if your dog is showing undesirable behaviors, then you must try to be the alpha, be the pack leader. You're not being strict enough. You're not being stern enough. And all of these things that have come for the ride about misunderstanding dominance. And what I mean by that is a lot of things that have come for the ride there are you're not you're, you're being too permissive. You're being soft. You've not put in enough boundaries. Your dogs don't know the rules and they're disrespecting you. Which often creates an us versus them narrative. And that in itself leads us to punishment. Because we feel like we're being disrespected. We feel like, well, I need to assert myself. And the very crux of the issue was misidentifying the fact that dominance didn't 
caused the behaviors, but our belief caused us to misunderstand why it was happening, which then in turn made us really mishandle how we handle it. And so what it's led, that misunderstanding, what it's led is rather than people being dominant, which they already were, they've actually ended up just being domineering. They've been bullies. They've, they've tried to assert themselves to a degree that is even more restrictive to our dogs. So we've, in, historically, we've heard people being told by other people, you know, if your dog is showing these behaviours, then you just have to not let them walk through doors before you. You need to restrict their food and their toys. You need to basically remove resources from the dog because you need to assert yourself as the alpha. And then they will in turn respect you and all would be right with the world. Apart from, of course, this is a fundamentally flawed process because your dog doesn't know what the concept of an alpha is in the first place. So that can lead to confusion, fear, anxiety, and ultimately just mistrust. And when we bring a dog into our lives, they didn't choose to be there. And like I said, we already control all of the resources they have in terms of we already control access to it. And if we make a misjudgment of like, oh, I've given you this at the wrong time, it's not always, it's not the case necessarily that it's the wrong resource even. It might just be we've given it in the wrong context or at the wrong time. Um, But it's our job as the caregiver to be able to think flexibly you know we have got the higher cognitive ability and we did choose for them to be in our lives so they don't actually owe us anything for being there you know they we brought the dogs into our lives and we decided that this is where you're going to live and at that point you know you any other scenario, you've got a hostage situation. <laughs> so it's quite important to go, you know what, I've got to make some allowances here. Now that you're here, it's on me as the caregiver to, yes, I want, I've got an idea in my head as to the life I want to live with my dog, but I really need to respect the individual in front of me. And understanding behavior on a fundamental level, understanding that they're not trying to dominate and the, they're outdated information they're just communicating what their needs are and behavioral issues are normally symptoms of the problem and not the problem itself and it's never dominance dominance hasn't ever caused an unwanted behavior despite what we've seen on tv despite what history and common dog wisdom has told us and you're always going to find old mate down the park that says hey i've had dogs all my life trust me it's dominance well, to that guy, I've had teeth all my life. It doesn't make me a fucking dentist. So if you don't, if you, if you need help with, with a behavioral concern, please try to ignore the common dog wisdom and seek the help of a professional. Um, and one that doesn't prescribe to the dominance theory because there is outdated information. And yes, it was popular. And yes, it was science. But science evolves, and that's what science is actually meant to do. It is meant to evolve over time. The more we learn, science changes. So, as a rule of thumb, guys, don't prescribe to dominance theory. That is the first mistake that I see people make uh, time and time again when it comes to raising a healthy and happy dog. Um, You don't need to be the pack leader. 
but you do need to be the guide the the gentle kind of caregiver um for your dogs um because it is a human world that we live in and there is a difference between being a healthy leader and a unhealthy leader yeah actually you know on that note healthy leadership examples um they involve having a lot of compassion for those in your care they involve having a lot of empathy they mean that yes we should have a goal of what we're trying to achieve but we shouldn't micromanage them in the way that we achieve it and we really should be looking after their those in our care as leaders their physical mental and emotional health matters the militant uh, suppressive aggressive style of leadership that so often gets associated with being a pack leader is unhealthy relationship and even in the wild if a wolf tried to rule in that way that would be a very unstable pack that wouldn't last very long because it's not a healthy example of leadership so it's super important to understand that uh, as a, as a leader you know we can look at human examples of great leadership and um not many of them are dictators are they you know even if if we take a step uh, away from even just stay a step away from dog training for a second read some books written by Brené Brown or uh Simon Sinek um and nobody's perfect nobody's got the perfect model but we can really take influence from some of the great role models in life and really reflect how many of them uh rule with aggression and and there's a massive difference again here between being assertive and being aggressive because somebody assertive has the com- the capacity to still have space for empathy and compassion and consideration for others um whereas aggression doesn't leave a lot of room for that so some food for thought for everybody we i hope you've enjoyed it and next week um we will be talking about the second uh thing that we often see people kind of traditionally prescribe to when it comes to having a dog in their life and trying to raise a happy and healthy dog and so i hope you uh tune into that and we'll see you next week see you soon thanks so much for listening that's it for this week guys if you ever want to ask questions give feedback or just provide some suggestions regarding the podcast find me on ian shivers dog advocate on instagram i'll be happy to help if you're feeling really generous leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you're listening to this podcast on And if you want to nerd out more with us, then find our sponsors because they're the ones that make all of this possible. See you next week. This episode is sponsored by Canine Caregivers. I've had so many people reach out to me over the years, not knowing where to turn to online for reliable and consistent advice on how to raise a healthy and happy dog. The information out there is hard to navigate. It's hard to know who to trust and who not to trust. And frankly, some of it is just downright dangerous. That's why we created Canine Caregivers, a place where you can come and get educational resources and access a supportive community founded on the care approach for people just like you, whether you've just brought a dog into your life or you've got a dog that is experiencing some unwanted behaviors. The content is updated regularly and we constantly keep in touch with our members to make sure that we are bringing relevant and up-to-date content that truly matters to you. 
there's different tiers of membership for different needs. So you can be sure that you don't have to break the bank to access the information that can literally make all the difference to the quality of life between you and your dog. Head to caninecaregivers.com.au to learn more.